I just came back from the salon. And for the record, I went with a sassy little bob and quiet luxury shade of blonde. Yes, that's literally what we're calling it, quiet luxury. Aside from trips to the salon, I don't actually blow out my hair. My hair is naturally wavy, and that's why I love Way. Way's new anti-frizz cream is a lightweight cream that provides immediate frizz control that lasts for up to 72 hours. I know that I have a limited amount of time <laughs> with wet, wavy hair in which to get myself in order. And that is why I love the anti-frizz cream. It has notes of bergamot, Italian lemon, violet, and more. And it smells un. Believable, Truly, as someone who is a little bit sensitive to scents, I put this in my hair and I feel great. It also genuinely pairs well with my perfume, which I appreciate. I don't blow out my hair because after years of color processing and attempting to make it straight, I know it looks better and stays healthier when I avoid blow drying, which is why I love the anti-frizz cream. I've used products, especially with wavy hair, where it feels heavy and looks kind of wet. And that's why I love Waze Anti-Frizz Cream because it enhances the natural waves in my hair. I still look like me, just a little elevated. And P.S. I am way obsessed with Waze's other bestsellers. Their leave-in conditioner, detox shampoo, my personal favorite. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E- O-U-A-I dot com and enter promo code Andy for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I dot com with promo code Andy. The only security I care about is social. I may be short, but my patience is shorter. idea that I had it didn't work out the glory of doing a different tagline every week is sometimes they're a hit and even if they're a miss I still feel like kind of they're a home run you guys Annie's girls episode 180 and I am so excited to welcome a new guest with an asterisk above new which we'll get to to the people's people's couch she hosts a podcast mixer, which is equal parts Bravo TV and pop culture seen through the eyes of this Amaz Black Bravo-holic. You guys, it's none other than Mani of Mixing with Mani. How are you? I am so good. Wow. I need to do better at my own intro. I can't <laughs> even talk that good about myself. Listen, I'm just a little LinkedIn for the soul. What can I say? <laughs> just say, can and- you do my resume? <laughs> Charged by the hour. Um, sliding into your Venmos in a second. Um, so listen, you. This is technically your first time on the People's People's Couch for Andy's Girls. You know, talking about the Bravo world in general. But you were such an incredible part of 
the Bravo and Black Lives Matter special episode of Andy's Girls, which people can listen to in the AG archives. So I've been really looking forward to this conversation because I was really blown away by your contributions to that episode and also, you know, following you on Instagram and, and seeing, you know, what you're doing online. I'm really excited to talk to you today. It's a it's a strange week. to talk about housewives i have to say that up front but but i'm really excited to dive in with you so thank you for for coming on the show thank you so much for having me Uh, yeah it was wonderful to be a part of um your special episode i think it was a really interesting time then a few months ago and um you know it's lasted frankly longer than i've expected and i've seen so much positive uh thought processing of people, people kind of weeding each other out, holding each other accountable. And Mm -hmm. um, so many of my favorites sticking up for something, even in the wake of nothing actually happening, like there's nothing Mm -hmm. bad going on. And they're still like, hey, we still need to talk about this. And, you know, I've always been happy to get the ball rolling on that. But it is refreshing to see that so many people who may or may not feel a certain responsibility or akin to this exact, this direct struggle, may not a struggle with this directly, but are saying like, hey, even in the Bravo sphere, we want to see change. You want people to feel safe and comfortable when they watch TV. They, we want to enjoy it together. We don't want some people to be, you know, more triggered than others. And, mm-hmm. you know, I really applauded you know, you doing that episode and just even the things that I've seen, you get the ball rolling and people talking during, these times where nothing is exactly happening yet and keeping the conversation going on social media, I'm always like, anytime I don't have to do the emotional labor, I'm thrilled. So I'm quick to be like, yeah, what they said. <laughs> exactly. Go there. Well, and first off, thank you for that. And I also, there is, I think we've talked about this offline and I forget. It's like I quoted I think it was something Portia said, but I could be completely mistaken, which is, you know, when she was going to Black Lives Matter protesters and apologies if this isn't Portia, I honestly have lost my mind. I had some wine last night. Things happened. (laughs) So um, but she was talking in an interview, I believe, about attending Black Lives Matter protests. And the structure of the protest was such that the protesters who were themselves black were typically positioned in the middle of the crowd and they were flanked on all sides on the outside of the actual protesters by allies, by non-black protesters, um, many of whom were white. And that imagery really stayed with me. The idea that, first off, it's not the responsibility of black people to tell everybody else that their lives matter and are mm. important. Um, it's not the, you know, like when it comes to actually having that conversation, people who are in positions of like systemic power need to step up and use their voices. And there's a difference between amplifying black voices and being responsible and accountable for your own. And so that is a position that I take and a responsibility that I take really seriously. And, You know, the timing, you've been booked to come on AG for a while. The Mm -hmm. timing of this week, just in the nature of the world in which we live, is is particularly interesting just in the sense that because of some yet another round of racist behavior exhibited by Kelly Dodd online, there's been 
a big conversation that a lot of Bravo influencers, certified Bravo-holics, podcasters, whomever have had about what's our responsibility with Orange right. County's premiere right around the corner. How do we respond and react to a, 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 a sort of self-proclaimed racist just judging by her actions right. being employed by a network that we love. Mm -hmm. And um, so for you guys who don't know what happened, Kelly was at her bridal shower and um, was given a gift of a drunk wives matter hat that she proudly wore in Instagram stories and videos and on social on Maine. And obviously there was a huge pushback because you know, making fun essentially of, you know, the murders and killings of innocent black people is not necessarily a great idea, shall we say, but it's not out of character for her, unfortunately. Right. And so a lot of people responded online to what is essentially trolling by a, a, a well-known um, uh, and passionate troll. And so a lot of people, myself included, have kind of said, listen, let's take the attention off of Kelly because she thrives in it. She wants people to say you should be fired. She wants people to whatever and focus on the fact that the network hasn't done anything. They didn't mm -hmm. say anything. They um, haven't even said publicly, you know, uh, this regardless from um, the fact that OC's premieres right around the corner, you know, like we don't tolerate racism and all this to say I had a, a, a very intense and I think important conversation with Richie Sky on his YouTube show. And I'll link to that in um, the show notes for this episode, just talking about the idea of Bravo's silence and the fact that with Orange County around the corner, a lot of us are having this conversation about how do we watch this show, let alone amplify it, when so much of the plot is being marketed around Kelly and the problematic things yes. that she says, because doesn't that feel like we're just playing into the idea that how she's behaving is acceptable? Um, and so I don't, I've really struggled with this. I've talked to AGs about it. I really don't, I, I can't plan to watch Orange County, let alone talk about it on Andy's Girls, because it's so frustrating to me. And it's so upsetting. And that frustration is not only with Kelly, who we all know who Kelly is. She's reintroduced herself to us many, many times over. Right. It's with the network not saying anything. Mm -hmm. um, and so for me, you know, the 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 um, premiere is is shortly upon us and I just don't feel good about it. And I I just really want to focus you know, Andy's girls around Potomac and Salt Lake City and talking more about New York and Beverly Hills and whatever's going on in the Bravo sphere. Obviously, there's shit going down in Atlanta, which maybe we'll talk about. <laughs> but, um, you know, I just don't know that that is it's an uncomfortable position is the long winded way of me saying that I feel like the network has put us in mm. where I feel like I'm in a position where I would typically be excited or at least interested in talking about Orange County, let alone watching it. And I don't begrudge anyone who watches it. I don't begrudge anyone who talks about it, but I don't feel like I'm in a position where I would fe feel good about amplifying it on Andy's girls. What's your perspective about the situation this week? Bravo's 
in action and how you plan to talk about Orange County or not, both on Mixing with Monty and online? Yeah, I, I have seen a lot of, uh, I won't say boycott, but a lot of uh, positions taken of, you know, this is not the time to be watching or amplifying this show. And I certainly... It's fair. Every time someone responds to a DM when I post anything about it, because I have taken the stance for just, I just post it blanketly. <laughs> no mm-hmm. captions, no words, because I don't mm-hmm. really have any for them at this point. Mm-hmm. But for people who want to know, here's your info. And people who will always respond very passionately, um, a lot of them not people of color, uh, at least by the what I can tell, will say, I am not watching. I won't give it the time of day. And I am like, fair. I mean, it's a hundred percent fair. Um, I did just recently have Kara Berry on from everyone's business, but mine. And we talked about this week, Kelly and everything. And, you know, as two black women who have been in this Bravo game for a very long time as viewers, and now as, you know, content creators and podcasters, we talked about how, you know, we won't be made to feel guilty for indulging in it because sure. we we knew what we signed up for. And I, we are, I'm very, I won't speak for her, but I'm very appreciative of how open people are seemingly becoming and how mm-hmm. opened their eyes are. And they're seeing, oh shit, there's a lot of things happening here that are bad. Because what's happening here with Kelly and what they're not doing, it's trash. This is this is probably one of the worst, the worst it's been because it's so explicit in mm-hmm. the prejudice and the racist game. However, um, and I, I mentioned it when I did your episode for Black Lives Matter, uh, Bravo's never always felt like the most safe place as a mm-hmm. Black viewer. Um, there's mm-hmm. been a lot of times that you're sitting down with your wine and you almost spit it out because you're so triggered from various things. And by no means am I asking for people to go, you know, back and denounce the shows that they've always loved or, you know, to... Uh, you stop watching or pull episodes or things like that. When they put all those episodes of Southern Charm, I'm like, okay, great. But you already aired them. So the damage has been mm. done. We've already seen it. And, and that's kind of where my stance is. I'm not excited about Orange County by any means. I know exactly what we're getting into. I have said before, I will probably watch until I just don't want to watch anymore until it becomes uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. But it's mainly because I don't want to see 2020 through these people's eyes while I'm still living it. I find yes. the entire cast, give or take, maybe one or two people to be insufferable during this year like I just recently heard on um <laughs> uh two judgy girls Courtney said like of course Kelly you couldn't find toilet paper no one could find toilet paper we don't care that you couldn't find toilet paper like mm-hmm. I don't really you're out of touch already um mm-hmm. before we even get to racism before we even get to BLM mm-hmm. before we even get to COVID but at the same time that is the reason why we've always loved housewives. They're out of touch as hell. They are delusional as hell. They are mm-hmm. not in reality. They don't live in the same world that we do. Mm-hmm. But I understand that right now, it feels like that's so much more dangerous than it's ever been. You know, mm-hmm. my, for me, the tide kind of changed when Luann went to jail or when she got arrested. That is when mm-hmm. things became very sticky for me as a Black Bravo fan because I remember tweeting before I even had all these platforms. Just in general, I am uncomfortable with how out of touch they are in this situation. Granted, I think Luann's actually been a lot less disappointing these mm-hmm. last couple seasons than I even expected her to be. But mm-hmm. I always say, I know what I signed up for. I knew that segregation was Bravo's way of saying they had diversity. They had one 
franchise of primarily Black people. They got rid of the one that people seemingly really loved that had, you know, Latina people and, uh, and, and a lot more Hispanic women of Miami, mm-hmm. right? That one somehow didn't make it through the ratings, but we have all the time in the world for Backyard Envy and Summer House and all the other really <laughs> low-rated shows. And I'm just like, could it have been that bad? Like, Texacanas didn't make it, but we got a second season of Backyard Envy, and I know zero people that watch that show, literally. So it feels like they pick and choose, but I'm not new to that. So for Mm -hmm. them to not denounce Kelly, it's tough because I don't, I'm not excited to watch. I might give the premiere a try um, simply because I think the work that Bronwyn is trying to do, where she Mm -hmm. has openly said, I knew nothing. I have tried mm-hmm. to learn. I've been presented mm-hmm. with information that I find very important. And I want to mm-hmm. do what I can to pass the mic to people who have that information with the platform mm-hmm. that I have. I think that deserves some credit. It does feel like that's a very, you know, limited because we can't praise her without also giving the attention to the other people on that show. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And that feels sticky. But at the same time, I think that it feels like as if Bravo wants to not alienate everyone. And that's the reason they are not doing anything. And by everyone, I mean, they still want it to be a safe place for Kelly's fans and the fans who think like her, the fans who are afraid to say they think like her. And by doing so, by keeping such a dangerous individual on in rhetoric, they want to make sure that everyone's points of view, quote unquote, gets heard and that all quote unquote perspectives and all kinds of women are represented on their network. So they'll say, hey, look at what we do. We don't support racism, but we want to make sure that even the racists feel comfortable watching our network because Mm -hmm. even if we don't, we want everyone because profitability and racism is still profitable. But at the same time, this current upcoming season of OC is not the first time that I've seen that play out with Bravo. So I don't feel guilty about still being curious about watching it but i also completely understand people who don't want to do it because for a lot of people this is a lot of information for them what i've been experiencing watching bravo for years they're seeing in one vacuum so in just Mm -hmm. 2020 they're realizing just how racist and how problematic bravo and these women that bravo employs and has let run amok can be. And I can understand that that's really hard for people who love this network, who get their eyes open and they're just like, whoa, there's a lot here that I didn't even notice. And of course that would make you want to make some changes. I've had time to grieve it and repair and Mm -hmm. figure out and bargain my relationship with the network and figure out where I want to be with it and where I stand with it. A lot of people are just like, oh shit, all at once. This is trash and that's trash. And you're just not putting a black woman here. And why not there? And Bethany's like, oh, I've submitted black women for years. And they're like, what do you, why would you not do that? So I get why people are upset. I feel like I will support the people who feel they, that they are in a dire situation right now where they don't know what to do with Mm -hmm. this. I likely won't cover it, but I probably will look at it and and be like, y'all didn't miss nothing. (laughs) So I think that that's an important point because I think, you know, and I've said this, I've, you know, obviously been very, very public on Instagram this week, just getting Mm -hmm. into a lot of details. So if you guys want to like go there, go for it because that's sort of like the foundation, the basis of what Richie and I were talking about on YouTube. But um, I think that there are a couple points 
that I just want to make clear. One is we are living in, during a global pandemic. The world right. is on fire. And for so many of us, likely the majority of the people that are listening right now, Bravo is a huge part of our lives. It's mm-hmm. not just a, you know, water cooler style conversation starter. It is also in many ways like a, a, a place that feels like home. We mm-hmm. turn this on. We all speak the same language. I can end an email as I did yesterday to somebody I've never met before. C'est bon, c'est bon. They're going to understand what I'm, <laughs> what I'm talking about, what I'm rolling from. And it's really important. And, and, If you want to watch Orange County, you should. I don't think anyone should feel guilty for watching Orange County, a show that has been on TV for well over a decade as the Housewives approaches the 15-year anniversary of the show's existence. Like, I think that you should do whatever makes you feel good and understand that for some people it might not feel good to watch. And Putting the viewing of it aside, do whatever. If you want to watch Orange County, 100% you should. And also know that if you don't want to watch it now and you change your mind later, you have the right to do that. You Mm -hmm. get to decide what you want to do, what you feel like is triggering, and that can shift and change. Like, let's normalize changing our mind and doing what we think is best for us under very difficult and scary circumstances. And also know that it is a particularly specific conversation, the ones in which you and I are having as content creators, as podcasters, as Bravoholics. That is a different conversation, and it's something that Evan Ross Katz and I discussed on last week's Andrews Girls, which is watch it if you want to or not, but think a little bit about how you amplify it. Because right. even if you're calling for a boycott, which I personally, I, I that is not my that is not my perspective to boycott the show because mm-hmm. I just think it's like completely impossible to measure. Um, when it term in terms of success and calling for her to be fired, I think it's essentially inevitable that this is probably going to be her last season. So that is not as as interesting to me or as easy to measure as being aware of how you're talking about the show on social media because the network is noting that. And even if everyone is saying Kelly is the devil on social. You're still talking about it, right? Especially if you're referencing mm-hmm. episodes, that's something to think about. And there are content creators, friends of mine, who don't have a cho- where it's the structure. This is their employment. This is what you know. They work in media yeah. or whatever. That is different, and and you shouldn't judge someone. Hopefully, for um, talking about Orange County on you know platform X or Y, they may not have a choice. These might be conversations that they're having with employers or not. And also, everyone has the choice to do whatever they want. Their choice might might be to talk about it and to talk about the circumstances revolving around Kelly, because mm-hmm. a lot of people might not be aware, and understandably so. And it's a difficult conversation for us to have. So I just want to say, you know, if you're listening to your favorite podcast and they're talking about Orange County, at the end of the day, people have the right to use their voices however they want. I agree with Evan in the idea of the measurement of of Orange County online Mm -hmm. and that regardless of how you watch, how you talk about it is key. And also throughout all of this, if we change our mind and decide we want to see what happens and we want to talk about it. I think that that's okay. I think that you can still have conversations about Orange County and also conversations about why the network has politicized silence when it comes right. to 
racism by their employees. I think that is really scary and frustrating. And I also think, you know, we are still a community. We're going to talk about these things. We will continue to talk about them. And we're also going to talk about um, other things relating to Bravo. Mm -hmm. That's not this. The structure of Andy's Girls is talking about you know, the minutia and reality of Real Housewives through the lens of psychology and behavior and motivations. So it would be incredibly inappropriate for me not to talk about my feelings and frustration because Andy's Girls is through the yeah. lens, scenes from the lens of things that I want to talk about. And so- nobody watches these shows linearly, right? We all right. feel things when we watch exactly. it. Like I said, I would be watching and I saw Luann's arrest tape and was triggered mm-hmm. like because it, it relates mm-hmm. back to me. But like I've also said, Black Bravo lovers, people of color, we've always been there. Whether or not they market it towards us or act Mm. like we're there, look at the numbers that Atlanta plays versus every other player that people think are the biggest players in the Housewives games. The ratings Mm. of Atlanta show that we are a large market. They just don't always like to show that, and nor is it always represented because we don't feel like we can connect to all of Bravo. And that's just the way it is because they've never really made it universally connectable and so we're there we watch the other girls we until we can't watch anymore but i have heard friends of mine who are black say the same thing about new york say the same thing about orange county before now i mean look at who mm-hmm. they just got rid of in the last years though tamra and vicky had very problematic you know views mm-hmm. on things too i mean people have brought i've had uh, some um hispanic followers of mine say you know i was triggered when tamra called her husband uh, a slur on national television mm-hmm. like in front of his face and just because what's okay for that one man may not have been okay for the many, many people who are watching, you know, who are watching the show, who represent something of, of his nature. And like Kelly has said, I can't be a racist. I'm a Mexican. And I'm like, um, actually, that's really not how that works. There's a lot of stuff. <laughs> Self hates a thing. <laughs> so it's possible that you could even hate your own people in a way because, and I've seen it a lot in a lot of communities because they tend to judge the other people in their communities based on how people view them in that same narrative. Mm-hmm. So it's, it, you can be a racist Kelly, especially to other people when you're not at the bottom of the totem pole. So you can always feel like you want to be up on top of somebody else. Mm-hmm. And that is a, a dangerous place, to, a dangerous mindset to be in. And listen, people, if you are Corona bound and you're like, I need something to watch, you can also get sneaky with it, right? Bravo's looking for the ratings, okay? <laughs> Don't watch it live, one. Record oh. it, let it pile mm-hmm. up on the television DVR, maybe like binge a little Shit's Creek, watch a little Netflix on Thursday nights, record mm-hmm. it. I heard from Regina King years ago that after 72 hours, the DVR numbers don't matter to, to the network. They don't get those same ratings. So, oh. Right. That's what she said. She said, if you want to watch it and give them the ratings, but you can't do it at home, watch it in 72 hours. So y'all watch it in 73 hours. Okay. Like let it pile up and then binge it and now you have a nice little binge in front of you where you can be mad you can say your things you can put it on there tag nothing on social or something if you do it on instagram stories just don't tag it don't hashtag it and just Mm -hmm. you know do it for your friends put it in a group chat like you know get a little sneaky with it so you can still get your content in but if you don't want to amplify it you don't have to amplify it but you can also 
I get it. There's nothing on TV. And we want to watch messy people fight each other. But watch until you can't watch anymore. That's exactly how I'm going down. Because at the same time, as much as I am like bored and I want to watch something, I don't want to watch 2020. Like that's the only thing. I don't want to watch BLM. I don't want to watch COVID. I don't want to watch shutdowns. I don't want to watch Shannon get nebulizers that no one else was able to get. I don't want to see any of these things take place that we are living because the purpose of housewives was it's aspirational it's unattainable but it's still like a level of i still see myself in someone Mm -hmm. the show at this moment we will be seeing 2020 through women that we could never that we none of not many of us the core audience have that same those same resources or mm-hmm. those same, um, you know, tools to handle the mm-hmm. things that they're handling. That will feel a little bit more triggering even before we get to the race stuff. It's like, girl, I don't want to see people bend hell and high water to make sure you get to film when I couldn't even go back to the school and as, as a teacher right now. Like, I don't want to see like, oh, this is my job and I need to get back to work and I need to resume filming. And I'm like, okay, but I can't go to school because people like you won't do what they have to do to quarantine correctly or keep everyone in your house healthy before you send them back to the classroom that I need to be in with my autoimmune <laughs> diseased ass. It, mm-hmm. Come on, like that to me is going to be the deciding factor. And I'm very curious to know why Bravo decided to just rush it out. And unless they're almost like, we want to be done with it just as much as y'all want to be done with it, which I'm hoping is the tenor. I mean, I don't know. I feel like, you know, people were like, oh, they're going to re-edit it. There was no way in hell that was going to happen. I don't believe that yeah, for no. a second. Um, but I, I don't know. I do know. You know, I'm so excited for Salt Lake City to come out. Me I keep forgetting too. it's not coming out tomorrow. But every time they drop like a little um, crumb for us, I fucking choke on it. I'm devouring it so quickly. Like yes. I am so excited for new women who and new stories and money AF. I had no idea that Salt Lake City was as like rich i heard like a portion of the world's billionaires own homes in salt lake city or something like that oh my god like it's the largest amount of like billionaires that own homes in the world or something like that which makes sense because of the snow and everything like the the destination of it all Mm. i am with you did you see those casting tapes my god bravo has never released the casting tapes of their first time ever their cast before and i am over here salivating I am like, where's what wine am I ordering? What cheese am I getting? Like, I am (laughs) over here planning snacks for November, honey. I'm like, I don't know what I want every week, but I need to have a surplus of snacks and beverages. Oh my God, I'm obsessed with that. And I, I, I just feel like we need some light, and Orange County feels so dark. Yes. And if you, again, if you want to watch it, you should do it. And I still struggle daily with the idea that I'm not planning to watch. Like, it's a conversation I'm, sure. I'm still having with myself. And and as you so beautifully said, like, there is a separation between watching it personally and amplifying it. And so that's something I need to really ruminate on. Um, uh, But when it comes to Salt Lake City, it just, like, feels so good. Like, you know, we've had such a difficult time in this world. And so to focus on a new show, new stories, new experiences, you know, likely none of us have heard of the these women I didn't know about any you know like they're just Mm -hmm. it's not an actress kind of thing it's just a new world in a new universe and as we've seen so beautifully on Potomac that is where um 
culture lives when it comes to housewives right now. Like Potomac is really driving the conversation and I'm so excited to see um, Salt Lake City, you know, right behind. I'm just really, really excited for the new season. I do want to ask you, so you talked a little bit about your journey from a, a, a Bravo-holic to a content creator. When did that shift happen? When did you start watching Bravo? And when did you go from being someone who's watching the show, talking about it online to someone watching the show, talking about it online on a platform that they themselves created? Yeah, uh, great question. I always struggle to remember exactly what came first, the chicken or the Mm -hmm. egg. Um, I believe I fell into, I was watching the reprise of Beverly Hills 90210. I was watching 90210, the one with like, um, who just went to jail-ish? Aunt Becky. Aunt Becky was the mom. (laughs) Um, Aunt Becky from Full House was the mom on that show. And I watched it because... I was, I'm a, I'm a kid of Degrassi. So uh, some mm. of the Degrassi people were also on that show. Uh, David Foster's daughter was on that show in the later years. Um, Aaron Foster, I think, or Sarah Foster. Uh, that web is huge. But I would watch it and be <laughs> like, this opulence, I've never seen it before. I was in high school mm. and I was like, my high school don't look nothing like this. I wanted, I, where do I get this? And it, it was very Beverly Hills, very she, 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 very money, but it was so dramatic. And I was like, mm-hmm. is this even real? And one day I was watching Orange County, which isn't like the greatest example of the same amount of opulence. It was very early mm-hmm. on, but I fell into it and was just like, this is real. These are real women who have like real kind, like this real money. And I Mm kind of started watching very consistently there. I was young, so I didn't get to start, you know, Atlanta and New York in its inception, but didn't I, then I binged Atlanta, absolutely fell in love. And then I did Mm -hmm. watch Miami and DC when they were on, like when they first started and I started to watch every housewife, like anything that resembled a housewives. I liked basketball wives. I liked Hollywood, um, Hollywood exes. That's a fantastic binge. If anyone's never binged Hollywood exes, go find it, YouTube it, bootleg it, whatever you have to do. It's the greatest binge you will ever see. The amount of, the amount of stars power, the star power that they got on there. You have um, Andrea Kelly, R. Kelly's ex-wife, Prince's ex-wife, Maite, uh, Jose Conseco's ex-wife, Eddie Murphy's ex-wife, Nicole Murphy, the pretty one who who flirts with a lot of people and cheats on people. Um, When she was with Michael Strahan for like 11 years, like a lot of ex-wife. Oh, uh, Cherie uh, Garcelle's friend, who was Will Smith's ex-wife, she was on that show. Like she would be a great addition to Beverly Hills because she's done this before. It's a Mm -hmm. fantastic lineup, but I would watch any rich wife, show I was in right and then I saw the Bravo just had all of them they had so many and so many mm-hmm. cities and I was like oh DC this is great I'm from DC I'm from the Maryland area so I was like this is really exciting it got canceled they fumbled that bag and I was like so now what and then I never touched Roni because it always felt like mm-hmm. they were too old for me not like old in age but like they were too sophisticated they were going to be mm-hmm. too put together so mm-hmm. I waited until like halfway through college to watch Roni and then went oh I was wrong this is the best show ever and mm-hmm. got deep into that and I'd say somewhere around Lucy Lucy Apple Juicy on Beverly Hills 
I was a huge fan of Beverly Hills since the very first day it started. I was there for the first episode. I was there when it turned into Vanderpump Rules and Sheena was carrying that tray. Like I was there for VPR because of Beverly Hills. I was deep in Bravo. And the moment Lucy Lucy Apple Juice happened, I knew we had fallen from grace. And I knew that I needed to say something about it. And I was like, I need to talk to avoid (laughs) because what am I watching? I think my very first episode was called what the hell did we just watch? And I was just like, what are we watching? This is not what Beverly Hills is. This is, we are better than this as housewives. And why are we producing things around a dog? And I was so upset. (laughs) I was like, I was very ambitious. I was like, I'm going to talk Bravo, bachelor politics, hot topics. And girl, them things were like three or four hours long. I said, I cannot put this out to the public. No one will listen to this. And (laughs) gratefully, we finally found our flow. I mean, I've been doing this for about a year. I started the Instagram pretty much on the same day. I had did a guest spot on the Real Moms of Bravo early on in their podcast, like when they were Mm. under a thousand followers, pretty much. Like very, very, very early on. And I was like, hey, I'd love to come on. And they let me come on. I was their very first guest. And I was like, I'm thinking of doing this for real, because this was really fun. And they were like, you would be great at it. So shout out to them. They pushed me and told me to do it. I recorded a test episode just to see if I could talk to a void about Mm -hmm. these shows. And gratefully, it's, I think it's taken off and people are really responding well to it. And it, it pretty much, it was born out of disappointment for Beverly Hills and what we had become because I just knew. So unexpected. Right? Your trigger was Lucy Lucy. Which, not to push back, but that's kind of what I do. I loved the beginning of it because I felt like we had been tiptoeing around the idea of what LVP had been doing behind the scenes, which people would talk about IRL, but the women were sort of too afraid to talk about on camera because Lisa, in essence, was so good at it. That like the Bobby Fisher of it all would Mm -hmm. be a talking point that they would have to live with. And when that shift happened, even though it so it was such a quick fall from grace because there was nothing left once Lisa backed away, there was like. Not, the women they found themselves right. right. It it or and it was even a production issue. It showed the power of Lisa, but also the void that happened after she was no longer there. But in the moment, I think those episodes. I don't know the last time I revisited them, which is sort of a problem. Maybe I should do that. Um, maybe I mm-hmm. should do that soon. Um, oh yes. But I thought that there were some good points, which actually leads me to the question you know what did you think about this most recent season of Beverly Hills because I don't think you were a huge fan of it remembering some of the stuff you said online but I also don't want to speak for you no absolutely I was not a fan because I always feel like especially the last few seasons that Beverly Hills is potential. They know their potential and then they work too hard to perform at that potential and don't let things happen mm-hmm. naturally. And it was really the reason why I thought the production at all even asked for Camille and Brandy to come back because those were the years. And as a kid of the first episode of Beverly Hills, as a mm. young impressionable viewer in college, literally like what major do I pick? to become them. Like, this is what I Mm -hmm. want to be. And so I'm watching and I'm like, I'm a kid of, you know, 
now we said it that the, these words ring true to me, uh, but now we said it and enough and he will never emotionally fulfill you. I was there for those things live and in color. And then to see us try to create those moments, I'm like, you can't create them. They just have to happen. Like you have to just bring in the people who are so trash and dark inside that they must let it spill over to the dinner party. Like you're such mm-hmm. a fucking liar, Camille. You cannot create. You have to simply feel it, let her rile you up enough. And then you just get emotional. Like Kyle bended me in front of Kim Richards. Like you're going to let this woman come between us, which is why it was so annoying to watch this season because Kyle's like, okay, well, I know Brandy to not be a liar. I'm like, I could literally tell you a million reasons why that's not true because you used to spend all of your time telling us she was a liar. It just felt Mm -hmm. super produced. I was worried when they told us that they basically scrapped months of filming and started at October and we started at the fashion show, which I knew Mm -hmm. from watching their stories, they had already been filming for quite some time. So I'm like, okay, we scrapped it. But then I watched it and was like, oh, Oh, we're starting. I loved Dorit going against Kyle's fashion show. Mm. And I loved the things we were seeing. And, uh, you know, Denise being like, I'll handle it. Don't tell me what to do with, you know, everything that happened with her ex-husband and Erica, then Garcelle. Like, I liked where we started and I was very riveted. I said, we are going somewhere. We're going to do the work. Mm-hmm. And then it felt very much so like the year before, the year before, where we do all this, we hinge so much on one specific idea that we think the public will care so deeply about over everything else we could possibly care about. And I don't like people telling me what I feel about what I watch. I don't, I didn't like them telling me that, hey, you need to care more about Denise's affair with this woman that we don't care about because I'm not in her marriage and I really don't care who she sleeps with. Not to mention, I'm not really here for outing people. Call it, call mm-hmm. me young, millennial, whatever. I just like people mm-hmm. outing people. I'm like, it's up to her to tell us if she wants to sleep with women or not. That's not my business. And I don't like the idea of people telling me that I care more about that than everything else that I know we're reading about in the, in the paper. Because I see the papers and the headlines and I'm like, how are they going to handle this on the show? And newsflash, they just won't. And that's annoying. So I didn't like that they felt like they had to do so much with this one thing because the moment it didn't pan out, it felt like we had nothing else. And that's what I wasn't Mm -hmm. a fan of because we started so strong and ended so mediocre because what was all these different pulls of all these different women and showing like, yeah, we're friends, but we kind of also hate each other all the time. Then became, again, Let's all go after one person and force everyone to dislike this one person. And like I said, Denise is a shitty liar. She's not good at it. And yes, she's lying. The problem is you can't all tell us we only need to care about that. Cause then we're gonna be like, okay, so she's lying. What else? Like, what else do we have here? And then it becomes self-produced. And I don't always like when I can tell you're self-producing. I know you they, mm-hmm. they 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 do it. The longer they're in the game, the more they're gonna do it. But it just felt very much like somebody had a meeting with some like cream cheese and locks and said, what do we do for this season? <laughs> and this is what they came up with. And I'm like, you didn't even invite me to that meeting. So I don't even, I'm not even gonna get on board with that because I didn't get any of the cream cheese and locks. Well, and I feel like the problem on Beverly Hills was that 
at heart, there weren't stakes because there were stakes when it came down to Denise not wanting this stuff on camera, understandably, or to have this conversation or whatever. But there weren't actual stakes in the relationships with the women. And you look at Beverly Hills and you juxtapose that with Potomac, where regardless of whose side you're on, and I want to get your perspective on this, there are very, very high stakes. But on Potomac, the difference is there aren't just stakes in the relationships that these women have. There are obvious stakes in how these women want to use production to fuck with each other, which is Mm -hmm. an argument and a narrative that Monique has been talking about in Instagram story live, which they're no longer allowed to do as a result, but, Mm -hmm. um, and not just because of Monique, but, but where she's talking about anger and frustration that she felt about betrayal And how she felt betrayed by the other women, not only in I thought you were my friend, but I'm hearing about what you were plotting to do to ruin my character and watching her struggle with that with both elements, which is very rare to have or at least to do well, has led to what has been an explosive season. Yeah. And. So I want to unpack what we've been seeing because this week was so revelatory. And, you know, I watched it again this morning. As everybody knows, I watch each episode 750 times. And for whatever reason, you know, my minimum is twice. For whatever reason, I think I only watched this week the first time I think I'm actually I feel like I'm lying when I say this but the first time and then and then this morning and that's sort of strange for me sometimes Mm -hmm. I'll like literally have it on his background because I'm psychotic but I felt like I got so much the first time it almost like hit me with a wallop the amount of layers to what we were experiencing that I actually felt like I couldn't overdo it like I needed to sit on it a little Mm -hmm. and it's Potomac is one of those things that I think we're going to be talking about minutia related to this season of Potomac for a long time yes. because there's such intricacy to what's going on and to what these women are talking about plus the produced level which might be being used to hide other stuff that it just feels so raw that regardless of what side you're on, it's difficult to be on either. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to get your perspective. I mean, obviously the meat and potatoes of this week was the conversation at Karen's. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was really the foundation for this week and really also the kickstart to the second stage of the season of Potomac. It feels like it's broken into two parts all of the moments leading up to the altercation and what the altercation kicks off for the second half so what was your perspective on how Monique has was behaving and how she views the altercation itself just starting with that aspect what were your thoughts this is going to be a little controversial you're at the right place okay great I am not necessarily team Monique because I don't think there's a team here to be on. Um, I know people think differently. I don't feel like there's an actual team to be on because everybody's wrong and everybody's right in a sense. I wish Monique would have just said, yes, I whooped her ass because she's trying me and y'all knew it. Am I embarrassed? Yes. 
but I don't regret it. I almost wish that would have happened because in a lot of ways, we aren't granted, and as we, I mean, Black women, we're not granted usually that same complexity of everybody snaps and we know everybody snaps. And I was really disappointed, but not surprised that how much the women were like, you aren't allowed to snap. Look at us. We're not allowed to snap like that. And I understood where they were coming from. But at the same time, I am like, but we know it happens. So it should not be, you're not allowed to snap like this. It should be, are, how do you feel about this? How do we go from here? Because to me, the fight should just never have happened. It just feel like it was super, super un- anticlimactic. Like the punishment didn't fit the crime. Um, mm-hmm. But if you consider like what you just said, Sarah, uh, you're plotting against me behind the scenes. What we know from her online situation is that Candace was allegedly trying to imply and bring to the reunion, bring to light that her, not just there's an affair, with a trainer, but that the son that Monique has is not her husband's. And that's very large, right? Like that's- and and just to cut in, yeah. it's, it, the, the conversation that I believe is being had is that Giselle was bringing to the table ideas at a dinner after Andy's baby shower with whomever present. And the problem was that Candace wasn't immediately telling Monique. So it didn't, the idea of the rumor about Mm -hmm. um, the baby maybe not being uh, Monique's husband's, which is obviously wild um, and such a strange uh, narrative to try to run with, did not originate with Candace. The problem that Monique had with Candace was, uh, you know, I almost expect this from Giselle. This is trash behavior, but you were supposed to be my friend and you didn't tell me. And that's where the betrayal happened. So it wasn't that Candace originated the rumor. She was present for it. And regardless of whether or not she shut it down, she didn't tell her friend what was happening. Sorry, but but no. Yeah. And I think that, and it's layered because we also even see, you know, Candace talking to her therapist, which I thought that was a fantastic scene because the therapist Mm -hmm. was working and Candace was not working with him, um, which Mm -hmm. is something. I also expect from her just hope she sticks at it but I think she even mentioned you know I've regarded Monique so differently this year and we saw the flashback where Mm -hmm. but the thing was it was production's way it felt like of making it seem like Monique had no leg to stand on and getting so physical and so upset with Candace and I'm not saying there's an excuse for violence it's just that the the idea that Candace was being so much more apologetic and respectful of Monique and all these different clips that they showed us could have been because she was remorseful for what she knows severed her relationship with Monique. It could not just be because she thought Monique just had a problem with her. And that's what I got from it is that, of course, it's you're going to regard this person differently when you know you've done wrong by this person in a way that they feel betrayed. Even if that wasn't your intention, that is how Monique feels. So, and that's what allegedly happened. So of course you're going to be like, oh, I'm sorry and everything like that. So there was a reason for that. But then at the same time, there was a reason for Monique being so triggered by Candace saying, I love everyone when she's like, how could you say that when you used to love me, but here we are. Now, again, that does not mean that I'm on team Monique because I think she's been plotting and planning. And we've seen her do it for a lot of different seasons in a lot of different ways. But for this particular episode, it was annoying to me to watch this conversation because I felt like 
what my mama always used to say growing up is, you know, don't discuss family business in front of company. It felt like we were company and they were discussing family business. It felt like though I wanted to see it, though we love to see it, it felt like this aired as production or Bravo's way of being like, we're not going to say there's a stereotype, but if you say that she shouldn't perpetuate the stereotype, we're mm. just going to allow you to say whatever you feel because that's what we do. We just air everything, which we all know that is not true. And it felt like by saying, hey, we can't be the stereotype, we are perpetuating the stereotype, if you if that makes sense. Like it kind of goes, yeah. it goes against what you're trying to do. And to say you can't get angry because it, it, it completes the narrative the black women are angry. People have said that to me whether they've seen me fight with somebody or not. There are plenty of people who have said that I am just angry, I need to tone it down or I'm loud. And they've never seen me pull a wig in my life. So if people are going to think that, they're going to think that. And it doesn't make it okay that if I do start pulling wigs or hitting people for them to say that I did that because I'm a black woman. That's not what happened. It's because uh, there's an anger happening or something. Maybe I got anger management issues, but it's not like black women have a tendency to get angrier and therefore people are allowed to reestablish their own prejudices because they see us get angry. That's the narrative I had an issue with. Well, I think it ties into the idea of respectability politics. And the best example that I, I can have of unpacking that is to read um, a, a great long form piece that Rachel Miller wrote in Vice. Oh, that yes. I think Fantastic everybody's article. been talking about this week that really picks it apart. And I'm going to put it in a link in the show notes, which is really talking about the idea that a lot of the focus that these women have and anger that they have against Monique is actually not Monique's responsibility. Monique's responsibility right. is not to represent all women. Her behavior when it becomes physical should be discussed through the lens of physical violence and right. not the lens of a black woman perpetuating a stereotype Hello. that's not her responsibility to dispel. Like that ties into like systemic right. racism and a whole other conversation for another day, to be honest. So I'm going to put that link into the, the show notes mm-hmm. because I think it is important, uh, great reading. Um, I do want to say, you know, I thought a little bit about how Candace and Monique are talking about what happened and how they're sort of feeling about their responsibility or lack thereof. It seems like they're both disinterested in truly taking responsibility. And it feels like Candace is focused only on who should be responsible for an act of physical violence. Yes. And Monique is focused only on who should be responsible for the events leading up to physical mm-hmm. violence, which in Monique's head felt not only deserved, but um, almost expected yes. at this point, where she felt like I had no way to react to what has been happening before the season began, behind the scenes, on camera, then through this explosion release. Mm-hmm. And so when it came down to Monique, taking responsibility you know there was the question of Monique feeling embarrassed which I think Wendy actually covered pretty well which is that Monique felt embarrassed because it had to do with her own like not narcissistic but her own 
sort of like selfish reaction it went to what against happened. what she always her reputation. is and she's like i'm this perfect right. beautiful church woman who is a great wife great mother mm-hmm. that what she's been accused of before is putting on this perfect persona and it went against that perfect persona and that's why right. i said i wish she would have just doubled down on it then because she's doing it now but she came in happy as if nothing happened then started crying and i'm like so then i was with them like why are you crying it seems like she was also defensive but that she was expecting sympathy she was like y'all pray for me and i'm like but for what you're not apologetic so what difference does it make and i'm fine with you not being apologetic but own it Uh, but i think what she was looking for was not just sympathy but empathy which was not going to be given to her by these women but i do i do have a problem with her doubling down because at the end of the day they're is a lot of understandable frustration that I agree with that she really doesn't feel remorse because Mm -hmm. exactly of what we're talking about because she feels like this was the only reaction that the only result rather that could have come out of the circumstances noting that she in many ways provoked them she provoked them passive aggressively um, at the lake house she provoked them you know when she was talking about Candace and whatever blah 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 drinking yada yada she provoked them physically by touching her hair and by Hello. escalating I would have went Monique whatever pushed her I mean it was I would have went Monique right. if someone flipped my hair like that that's what yes. I'm saying well but and you also can't have it both ways when it comes Hello. to this was the only option that could have resulted from behavior that I in many ways uh, uh, ampli- not amplified that I in many ways escalated yes. so she's trying to have both yes. ways that I was sort of only reacting to a circumstance that I in many ways created when it comes down to this environment because Monique doesn't want to talk about the rumors on the show because she doesn't want to give them air because she doesn't want to discuss even the idea that her child is maybe his father is not her husband like these wild not even conspiracy, but just like really malicious pieces of gossip that these women wanted to do to take her down. I can understand her frustration. The problem with that is that she feels like the reaction of physical violence is explainable with the circumstances. And she's too in, in this bubble. She has too much anger. She has too much hurt with Candace to step out of it and say, you know, it's one thing to say I was like blackout angry. It's another thing to say I was blackout angry and I feel bad about what I did. And she's yes. not saying that. What yes. she's saying is I'm not responsible for my behavior under the circumstances in which I was placed, regardless of how I added fuel to the fire. And, and I, I'd love, and that's problematic. I'd love if I had your permission to discuss why everyone is wrong and everyone is right. Because I've spent a lot of time on this in my mind because. I have no other life other than to watch Housewives and Potomac is my whole world at the moment. Monique Mm -hmm. saying that words sometimes can be the same as physical violence. Well, that's untrue because one can be literally charged criminally and one, you have a hard, you'd be hard pressed to get a criminal charge about it. And that was my, my issue with Monique even getting into this fight. I was like, you have a lot to lose. Don't waste it all on this moment. It felt very much so like, she was just looking for a time to do what she did. And she just took an opportunity. They look like she was picking a fight with Candace many times before this to try to get that same, to get it out of her and, uh, and off her chest, which is understandable mm-hmm. to an extent, but violence is not the answer because it comes with way too many consequences, girl. So 
that was my issue. But then also there is no such thing as violence and words being the same thing. One hurts, mm-hmm. one you can recover from Wounds. a little bit quickly. Right. One can, you know, it's not physically wound you. Yes. Right. And then, and I also, and I also have to say, sorry to cut in, but when it comes down to her doubling down, I so fervently disagree with the idea of her doubling down, except that that might be more honest. That's the reason feels. why I wanted that but to I, happen. Cause I, the, I didn't believe her when she was sitting there crying. That's the reason sure. why I was like, you might as well just said you, you did it and you are cool with it. Well, I think she feels a lot of pain and anguish about being judged for this while also feeling that it was understandable and should be forgivable because she felt like she had been backed against the wall and her behavior on watch what happens live was just really sort of frustrating. Obviously Andy was really frustrated because she is sort of weaving in and out of this doubling down and all we want for Monique because she's such a great housewife and is so empathetic as a person, even with so many blind spots is the idea that a year later, she still doesn't feel remorse regardless of how angry and, and um, sort of enemies she and, and Candace now truly are on and off camera. It just feels like we're leading up to this thing and you're going in the exact wrong direction. You're still right. believing that wine was tossed your way. You're still believing that things happened that we just truly don't see or that we see the opposite of, right. which makes it difficult to empathize with her in the way that she really, truly wants and craves. So yeah. anyway, tell me, tell me about the rest of the, and, about the rest of the council. Okay. So yes, I agree with all of that first of all, <laughs> but um, with Wendy to place on her the, mm. the responsibility of all black women, which I mm-hmm. also her and Kara on my show raised a really good point because she was like, of course, it's a little bit easier when you're dealing with online trolls as Wendy does. Mm-hmm. And she there's a, a level of separation um, of people mm-hmm. calling her and her family all kinds of things other than child of God. And then Monique having someone who she feels is antagonizing her, who she's had a relationship mm-hmm. with, who's also in front of her. That's It's a difference in how you regard it. Anyway, I would not expect Wendy, no matter what she's called, to go hunt someone down and beat them up. That's a couple of level charges above than what we're dealing with here. It's a little bit more, you know, in the moment and quick than what we saw. But to place on, uh, for Wendy to place on Monique the entirety of the Black female experience and what we're supposed to be regarded as and our responsibility Mm -hmm. on, on her, as, you know, the Vice article did say, I also got a little bit of a dog whistle of colorism because as the only two darker women in the room, she is like, they, I got her feeling like this is, this, this is what people expect of us, but also a little bit of like, this is why I try so hard to be above this. And now I don't want to be linked to the same thing because, and that also is something that I've had to deal with and that I've seen because I even got I felt that exact same thing watching the fight at first and I had to check myself because I was like as soon as I saw them starting to fight I was like oh god there's so many white women in that room who are going to record this oh my god there's so many people there oh my god what are they going to think of us and I was like no wait hold on like this is a tv show they people knew what they were 
filming beforehand. That's why I was like, Wendy, I don't know what show you thought you were signing up for. I'm not saying this was like a wrestling show, but mm -hmm. it's Housewives. By no means did anyone expect tell you, and you, if anything, you didn't do your homework, if you thought that the upper echelon of female excellence, of Black woman excellence, was going to be on this show. We were all going to be sipping tea and crumpets. It's Housewives. The whole purpose of the show is to be messy, get into fights, you know, gossip with each other over brunch and mimosa. Says, and that's the whole point of the show. So whatever you mm -hmm. thought you were joining, this is semi-adjacent still. Don't act so disappointed in this one woman for that. And then Ashley is, to me, she was more on Team Monique because she just eventually wanted Candace to get her ass kicked. Because she said it in her confessional, I mean, Candace talks a lot and, you know, eventually you're going to poke the wrong bear. And it almost felt like, hmm, well, oh, well, but she just currently did not have a problem with at, with with Candace. So she couldn't, you know, really go in on her because she's like, well, I mean, I don't know. She's done things in the past to everyone in that room. And I'm like, OK, but it doesn't does that mean she deserves, you know, to get physically assaulted? I, I don't think so. I would be curious for Ashley's response. You know, I watched the after show, which um, they do with some of the franchises, not all of them. And and the Potomac after show is, uh, of course, as one would expect, especially good. And um, I would be curious, even though, you know, the most recent after show was it the first one for the season. It might have been I might have missed the others. I forget was you know, them talking through the altercation and talking through, tr trying to talk through point by point. Everyone's paired up. Karen is solo, which is phenomenal. Um, but I wonder what Ashley really thought after she watched it play out, because I'm sure she heard it. She was outside of the scene Good or outside point. of filming. Mm -hmm. But I'm curious, even if she doesn't reveal it because she is so aligned with Monique, and I don't begrudge her for that, I, I'm curious what shift that would make in how she views her support of Monique just inside of the altercation itself. I'm sure she's mm -hmm. still team Monique and, and that's great. And Monique needs allies and needs support. Um, and I'm glad that Ashley and Karen are both on that side, yeah. regardless of how I feel about some of their defenses. Um, but I'd be curious to see how that may be changed just based on the prolonged, violence of it all yeah i would um, agree especially because she wasn't there and that was their point was that you know you kind of lift this match are y'all good and then like dipped and then came back like what happened like you heard it from the stall girl you know what happened and i was obviously i don't think giselle was right at all i think she was just wrong and she just sent me howling like i started being i stopped being disappointed in her for only going in there with the intent to scold and not at mm -hmm. all to listen she wasn't there to listen at all um, and she just had all her grievances to air out. And a lot of them I didn't even feel were, you know, necessary because she was like, you threatened me and Robin and all these people this many times. And I'm like, okay, but then she only, only she then she's only acted on it once. So if we're going by the statistics, she has a less yeah. likelihood of being violent because it's <laughs> violent. So she told you she was going to punch you in the throat and didn't. Mm -hmm. the, the, the odds are actually in your favor. So relax. And then for her to be, you know, I'm sure we'll get into it, but you know, Jamal and I have an image to protect. I howled like a wolf at a full moon. I have never laughed so hard in my whole life. And I was like, okay, we'll get her out of here. So that was it. And then I thought that Karen, I aligned with the best in her, the way she was, you know, regarding Monique, because her thing was, 
you because you are on housewives you will forever have someone trying you like in this circle this is what we do and she was like i have been called everything whole bitch everything which you know each which way and you have to remember you're going to be pushed to that same level every time, but every time they're not going to be able to forgive you this way. So every time it's not going to be forgivable, people are not going to find your side because if she does stay on the show and this happens again, I believe she'd be a lot hard pressed for people to be on her side again, like, like they are now. And I think Karen was trying to let her know you have a lot to lose. You have a lot to lose. Maybe not because you need this show. Candace obviously needs this show more than Monique, which is why she's milking it so hard. But she goes, you have a lot to lose with your family, your kids. Because of course, Candace is petty enough. And I said this on my show, Candace is petty enough to press charges. Of course she would. So in which case, you not have to defend yourself to the tune of, I need to protect my family, my husband's money, my job, all these things. Just, the consequences just outweigh the actual action. That's the what I felt like Karen was really trying to say, like beyond these cameras and what happens on this show, like at the end of the day, you have to be cool with what you did and within yourself. And so I aligned the most with Karen, except for when she said, you know, the prayer fixes everything. Cause I was born in a house of prayer and you know, the black church experience is one that is, truly unmatchable but I do believe Monique could benefit from a pastoral meeting as well as a therapeutical meeting with a licensed professional to help her map navigate and map out her anger yeah and I I 100% agree with you and I also do think that Karen had some obvious blind spots and some of that may have just come from like a bitter taste in her mouth about um feeling like she was amplifying Giselle's voice yes. in that space and so that unfortunately clouded I think some of it I personally felt the most um respect and empathy in the situation for Robin who I mean the velocity of it all Yo, Robin was, like, was the MVP the she was absolutely the MVP and I also felt her when she was when she said on the after show and during the episode you know you almost had me and she didn't mean it to me in a dickish way what she was saying was like I when Robin is listening to someone talk she's truly listening which I think yeah. is really important and Robin is interested in having a conversation Monique is there to present her side Giselle is there to deliver a monologue and then dramatically depart Robin is actually going to be there to empathize with you to hopefully hold you accountable but she's going to be present and Robin Robin's response was understandably one of frustration of like, first off, the reality you're presenting didn't happen. So I'm going to pick apart for you the reasons and the reality, the facts behind how right. the order yes. of things is not accurate. It's not like accurate to your experience, but it's also just truly not, not that right. it's not truth. But also the fact that you don't feel regret for this, the fact that you don't feel remorse, you know, Karen, the fact that you're not talking about when Monique is responding and being dismissive and passive aggressive, regardless of the fact that Giselle kind of started that mm -hmm. in the moment, I thought was really valid. And it shows the importance of Robin in this cast, because even though we know Robin is always going to have Giselle's back, that's just a fact. They are truly like sisters, essentially. Mm -hmm. They are always going to stick up for each other, I think. She's also still her own human person, obviously, right. and is a lot more measured and has a lot more emotional intelligence than 
and separation than a lot than a lot of what everyone else is expressing. And so it was like a real caduce to her moment because I felt really happy to see Robin rise as her own person. It, it only took say, Michelle getting out the way. As soon as she I left, mean, Robin basically became everybody's MVP of the scene. Yeah, and I think that I would love to see that, you know, continue. And I think that Robin mm-hmm. has so many valuable points to play. And and she is sometimes in many ways a little bit of a, a beta sometimes in some group situations, especially when Giselle is there. And I think that comes from a place of love. I think that she is sort of used to being sometimes in the back seat because Giselle is such a big personality. Yes. And so it was so great and gratifying for me to see like Robin step into her own shoes and her own power and say like, this is how I feel. This is genuine emotion that I'm feeling. This is genuine frustration that I'm feeling. Why won't you hear us? And still at the end of the day, not disrespect Monique in any way, even if she felt disrespected as a cast member on a show where Monique crossed a line, you know, where it resulted in physical violence, she was still willing to have a conversation. And that I thought was like the most important participation of anybody in that room. Yes. She wasn't there solely for her own agenda and pushing her own agenda. And I felt Mm -hmm. like everybody else there was like everybody else Mm -hmm. had one uh, and they were using Monique as a way to push their agenda with even some of the other women. I think Karen, like mm-hmm. you said, just did not want to give Giselle's points any power. I think Giselle just wanted to get her own points across. I think Ashley mm-hmm. wanted to just prove a point uh, about Candace, but she isn't in a fight with Candace, so she still needed someone mm-hmm. else to do that. I think that Robin was the one who was the most aware and the most listening. And I, I find mm-hmm. her to be the one who does that in a lot of situations. You know, you mm-hmm. tend to forget that she's even there, which means she's collecting all the data, honey. She is walking around collecting that attention. data. And she's she will lay it later. And my last thing that I really wanted to say about this scene is that this idea that Monique is not a good example for her daughter because this happened is absolute bullshit. And I would like that to be known we can't do that. If we are going, there's a lot of things that should or should not be done in front of our kids. Gratefully, no kid was there. Gratefully, her daughter's young enough to where she's not Googling this yet. And if she ever does, then she'll have a conversation with it about, you know, with her kids. Um, But at the same time, for them to say that Monique is somehow setting a bad example for her daughter because this happened, but so many of the other things done on the show. I don't agree that words can equate to violence, but I do agree that actions can have just as big of an impact on kids than this one thing that happened with Monique. And what I mean by that is if Monique is going to fight and it shows her daughter that, Hey, fighting's cool. That's a conversation that she can have with her daughter to be like, Hey, listen, mommy made a mistake and this is never okay. But my thing is Giselle is the one saying that Monique is not doing a, a good service by her daughter when her own daughters do not even want her back with their father because they know what he is mm. capable of. And they're like, no, no, that's not a good example because you're literally, you ask your kids what they think of this and they're like, we just think you deserve better. And they think you deserve better and you're with someone they don't think is better. What do you think that says to them when right. they become women who hundred you know, percent decide 100% to go agree. into finding their life partner? Should they be men? They will then 
equate a lot of these same actions to what they do and either in a rebellious way and go against what their mom did and which could create some resentment or they could be like well I mean I didn't think my dad was good but my mom stayed with him for a long time she gave him another chance and they might go back and forth with a person that she didn't I'm looking at Giselle like if you think Monique's not a good example think about if your daughter Grace in 10 years was doing the same thing. Her man cheats on her and leaves her with these kids and goes and has um, other kids with other women, alleged or non-alleged. And you're, you know, her dad doesn't like it. But then 10 years later, because she can't find anybody else who she doesn't think will love her the same way, because what, they love her kids, which A, that's a slap in the face to every step parent I've ever met. Because I know plenty of step parents that love the kids that they marry into th that family of that. And she, so for Giselle to say, well, I got back with Jamal because no one's going to love my daughters the way he does. That's not true because love also can equal respect. And I don't think he respects your family that much. So for if Grace did the same thing, Giselle would have a fit. She'd be like, you don't need to go back. What are you doing? So I'm like, what is this idea of Monique is a bad example for her daughters, but there are plenty of things we could pick apart as bad examples. And Giselle, you are one of them. And I would say, I hear you on that. And I would also say, you know, there are two different ways for Giselle to have approached this situation. One way, which is the path that she took, she talks about the fact that your Monique's behavior is going to hurt her reputation and the sort of laughable reputation yeah, of well. her ex-husband. The other way to say it is to bring with it a little bit of emotional vulnerability and say, listen, here's my perspective as someone um, who has been through public harm in, you know, the, the world because of being a first lady or, or whatever, because of the behavior of somebody else who I care about and watching how my reputation was harmed because of things that they did that um, became public and were wounding. Like she could say to Monique, your behavior is going to have an effect on me as somebody in your life and somebody in your circle. And here's how this has happened before. But that would have required a respect and um, empathy and appreciation of Monique that I don't think Giselle has ever had or felt, which right. also adds another layer and a complication because Giselle brings with her the fact that she has a history with Monique of being someone who has always been wary of Monique, who has always seemed to be a little bit jealous of Monique, of yeah. Monique's marriage, of Monique's financial, beyond financial stability. Yes, of favorite Monique's scene wealth. of Potomac ever was that scene at the Willard when they were asking about the homes. And she goes, oh, you don't I have four. Ready to be yeah, 80? I have four. She goes, I, yeah. I have four homes. I have four. And I was like, oh, right. a comeback. I mean, but that is something where Giselle now is using this not only understand so I'm sure being truly horrified and upset and angry at what Monique did, but also saying like, okay, you did this thing. Not only am I, am I not meeting with you? And again, understandably so. She She's so pissed at Monique for everything plus this that Giselle probably feels like I was right to have said and felt all those things before because you just did this thing. That yes. To me like I knew you were nothing line. more than X, Y, and Z. Like I knew it. And it's like, but, this is not the right. time. 
but it's also not an environment where Giselle's not opening up and she might feel like she doesn't have to, but the reality is she's not opening up in a way in which Monique can maybe even for the first time open herself up to feeling that remorse that all of these women want. Like Monique is so defensive about what happened that she's just going to walk in. She's already feeling very emotional, very frustrated, very hurt, not felt that she's, she might feel like she's walking into a little bit of a firing squad. And so what are you going to do at that point? You already know that these women are just waiting for an excuse to say that you are these things they've maybe felt about you the entire time. That's not necessarily going to be the place in which Monique's like, wow, I just had this like come to Jesus moment. And you know, you're right. Like if Monique feels that she's not going to have it in that circle of women. So I mean, we'll see what happens for the rest of the season. What's wild to me is the idea that the midseason trailer, which is, of course, phenomenal, shows some sort of I don't know if it's actual physical altercation or just extremely heightened moment between um, uh, Candace and Chris and Michael and Ashley. And it's right. just going to be crazy. It's just I, I, I wonder how this will feed into Monique and how she may react to her physical altercation when it comes to the reunion because what we're all hoping for is her to express some remorse but if Candace really did heighten physically uh, initiate exacerbate whatever happens on the finale Monique could very well use that and say this is the person that I've been telling you she is and maybe this is like supporting evidence even though it happened months after the fact for how I behaved so it's just like what um, Ashley said though she raised a really great point when Ashley talked about like we would never have the same conversation about two men fighting and lo and behold we're about to see two men fight on this show and I would love to see them round table the shit out of this and that's what I'm saying is a little bit it was annoying because we spent an entire episode having this conversation and placing Mm -hmm. all these things on Monique and though she was wrong in a lot of ways it was like okay but we would never do this for men but also Bravo has marketed and profited so much off this fight for the last year so for it Mm -hmm. to just now be a problem really sometimes gets on my nerves because I'm just like it wasn't an issue before or you would have fired her the moment it happened. It's you're waiting mm-hmm. to see how we, the public play out with it and how much we tolerate. But this is not something that you are so explicitly against that you didn't have a problem promoting it, showing it, pre- premiering it and getting money and ratings off of it. And so for it now to all fall on this one woman, it does feel a little like eye rolling because we're not going to do the same thing with the men. Because if you ask Monique all these questions at the reunion about her feelings on this, yes, we would love to see remorse. But are you going to do the same thing with Michael and Chris? Because I'd love for that to happen. I'd love for yeah. them to hold them to the exact same standard that we're holding mm-hmm. these women because they don't even need to be there. You really didn't even need to show this. But also mm-hmm. in the same time, because I am trash inside, I'm here for Michael getting his ass whooped. I'm fine with that. Well, on that note, <laughs> I guess we'll just have to watch what happens. Listen, can you please, Monty, tell the listeners, the AGs, how to follow you online and where to check out Mixing with Monty? Yes, of course. I mean, and if you are not tired of me already being all over the place, you are welcome to listen to me anywhere you listen to Andy's Girls um, by yes. searching by title Mixing with Monty. And then you can join the Facebook group, the uh, Instagram, Twitter um, by searching at Mixing with Monty, M-I-X-I-N-G-W-I-T-H-M-A-N-I. 
awesome. And um, guys, listen, I'm going to put a link in the show notes to that amazing article that we mentioned in Vice, as well as to a, like a 40 minute um, video podcast uh, that I did with um, His Holiness Richie Sky, where we really um, talked in a very pointed way about all things <laughs> Kelly Dodd. So I highly encourage you to watch it if you haven't watched it already. Instagram at Dame Galley. You can see a lot of my responses and reactions that Richie and I refer to on that episode, as well as what we've discussed today. Instagram at Dame Galley. And of course, the Andy's Girls Patreon with extra bonus material, exclusive extra episodes, invites to special events, supporting me and my time of unemployment, rest in peace, <laughs> special events. Last day of work was Wednesday, and I am currently recording in a row if you're interested in how that's been going for me. So um, uh, patreon.com slash Girls. I know some of you have been asking for some um, premiere levels, which will be added this week. So there are some crazy um, extra uh, rewards to get once you sign up and it costs as little as $2 a month guys come on shackle and it's a great shackle. robe so I mean support the robe thank movement you. if anything else thank you so much $29.95 thank you <laughs> only the best cotton Love poly target. blend a girl mm -hmm. can get mm -hmm. I'm actually not a target lover I just literally was like I need a cheap robe oh. that makes me feel okay yeah I, I don't, don't like I target don't online I think I love a target in store and that's mainly because I grew up in a lot of suburbs where targets are deeply invested in and our oh, destination yeah. experience. I, it's not a, I don't know. Apologies to those in Rhode Island who loved her. I just feel like I was not, <laughs> I was not, I was not raised in a Target family. I did not experience the Target experience and a lot of people love it. And yeah. I it just, unfortunately, it's just not a part of my, I get, target, I get my but... coffee creamer and a nice headband at the same time. I mean, I'm, it's, <laughs> it's like a, a, we love a one-stop shop. That's like two steps above a, a gas station, one above a Walmart. We enjoy that. <laughs> I think it's more than two, a couple step, steps above a gas. I don't know. We love listen. Wawa where I am. So. Guys, <laughs> thanks for coming to Andy's Girls. I hope, fully, I hope that we filled up your tank. Hopefully your love tank. <laughs> if not anything else. And can't wait to talk to you soon. Monty, a pleasure as always. Thank thanks you for, for having me. And guys, let us know your thoughts and feels. And we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.